Father, thank you for being in here, for working in our midst today. Thank you that you're a good, good God. We yield ourselves to you. Oh, we yield ourselves to you. We yield ourselves to you so you can speak to us. You can minister to us. I know you take pleasure when your people are helped. When your children are, are highly blessed. Thank you, Lord. You're pleased. You are pleased when we're walking in your best. When we're enjoying ourselves in you. Thank you. We listen to your voice. We hear what, you're having, what you have to say. Praise God. And Father, we believe that you are working. You are working, working in our lives today, working in our church, working in our bodies. Hallelujah. Praise God, giving us a future and a hope. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We magnify you. Thank you, Lord. Let's just say that together. Say, say it with me. Say, Father. I acknowledge, I acknowledge your, spirit your spirit is working in me, working in me right, now. right now. Hallelujah. Say it with me. Your spirit, your spirit is working in here, working in here. Corporately, corporately, in our midst. In our midst. We, yield we yield ourselves to you. You are faithful. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Say, well, what's he doing? He say he's working. I don't know. What do you need him to do? He's probably doing that. Come on. Come on. It's not always the same thing for everybody. Amen. Praise God. Well, uh, just checking. Everybody okay? Yes. It's summer. We're just having fun. We're just chilling. Right? Just enjoying the presence of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for doing good things in our midst. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, people can uh, sometimes set their own faith when you need something from God. I mean, you have to make these kind of things on your own, but sometimes people say, uh, people who have contacted, and co <laughs> contacted God come in contact with God, is they've they set their own faith that says I'm not going to uh, leave until I do, or sometimes people set their faith before they're coming to church. I mean, it's personal. They say I'm going to get Father what I need, and they can be specific. I'm getting this tonight in the service. I'm getting this from you. You're my source. I don't even have to know about it. I might say it. I might I might know about it in the in the, spontaneously through word of knowledge, or I might not. But you'll get your answer. Amen. Uh, ministers like to have uh, people who are in faith come to services or people who are unbelievers. <laughs> now, that's not what our goal is in a, this, this kind of service, but, uh, you know, when we do healing services once a month, I would prefer if half the crowd were unbelievers and messed up. Why? Well, that's the, that's, the, that's the setup for miracles. You'll see lots of instantaneous miracles when we get lost, lots of goofed up people here. Praise God. You know, let me say something. Let me, let me switch gears for a moment, uh, or a couple of moments. Uh, 
The Word of God tells us in, in Revelation chapter 12, I believe it's chapter 12 and verse 10, that it, 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 it calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. All right? That's sister and two, right? Brothers and sisters. He's the accuser. Okay? Who, who, what would an accuser would be like the prosecutor saying, they, he did it. She did it. She's guilty, condemned, deserving of death, deserving of, of a horrible life, <laughs> deserving of disease, deserving of poverty, deserving of darkness, guilty, guilty, guilty. That's, that's basically what Satan does. He does it before God. He accuses people before God. He accuses us directly. He tries to get in our, our mouths to accuse other people, right? And so, so others are accusing us verbally. We're accusing them, but it's really, they're not the origin. Satan is. He's the accuser. That's why you don't want to be an accomplice <laughs> to that. Don't yield your voice to being a, an, an accuser of everybody, right? And, and why, does he, why does he do that? Well, uh, his, his goal is to condemn, to condemn, and it's the opposite of what God wants to do in us. He's not seeking to condemn, but Satan is. Look with me over, at, if you would, uh, um, at John chapter 3. You might know this passage. John chapter 3, and in verse... 14, 314, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so uh, must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, what does it mean to lift up the Son of Man? It, it means on the cross. It doesn't mean praise Him. <laughs> you know, there's that other verse, I think it's in John 12, that says, if, we, if the Son of Man be lifted up, He will draw all men he would draw all to himself. I remember years ago in churches they used to sing a song, and it would it would go something like, uh, "Lift Jesus higher, lift Jesus higher for all the world to see." I don't know if anyone's ever heard that song. And they, then they would they would sing that verse. He he said, "If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men to me." Lift Jesus higher. What do you mean? Put him on a big tall cross. <laughs> But they totally pull that verse out of the context and say, lift Jesus higher. What, lift the cross up higher? They interpret it as meaning like praise him, but it doesn't mean that at all. <laughs> it means put him on the cross. Stop putting him back on the cross. <laughs> he already went. And that's what this is too. Gives the illustration from the Old Testament. Uh, what verse were we in? <laughs> verse 15 that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have ever, uh, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the will of God, right? This is what he's seeking to get to people. Everlasting life. Jesus was lifted up on the cross. For what purpose? So people could have everlasting 
everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Notice that notice God's intention is not to condemn. Did he have the right to condemn? Would he have been justified in condemning? Certainly. In other words, calling guilty, guilty. <laughs> calling sinners, sinners. But he said, that's not why I'm come. That's not why Jesus came. Uh, I'm not, I didn't come to condemn. My goal is to remove condemnation. The goal is, is not to condemn, but to save. That's the heart of God. That should also be our mentality towards people when you see someone who's the worst of the worst and you're tempted to wag your finger, right? And condemn, condemn, condemn. Well, God's heart towards that person is not for their sinfulness or their wickedness, but he does want them to be saved. He does want the worst of the worst to be saved. Who can you think of that's the worst person? (laughs) And you've been tempted to think, yeah, they're going to burn in hell. And you said it with a little bit of... <laughs> Stop it now. Come on. Catch yourself. Because, yeah. I mean, even, even the disciples one day, they're following Jesus around. Jesus is a pretty good example of love and mercy and compassion. And, uh, and they asked with a little opposition one day, Jesus, should we call down fire on these guys like Elijah did? And Jesus said, you don't know what, what spirit you're of. Wow. So they were doing wrong. What? You don't want to burn them up? No. That's not what the spirit of God is leading us to do. <laughs> That's not the heart of God to, for people to get what they I've come to save them. Yes, they're doing horrible things. I want to save them. We're really glad when it's us. Must be glad when it's somebody else too. So he didn't come to, to, to condemn. Look, look at, uh, you mind flipping around? Mark chapter 16. You know this one. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. 16, 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be Condemned. Condemnation is very real. Why would someone be condemned? Well, because that's what they deserve. God's, the goal of the Lord, I know this is ABCs, but stay with me now. The goal of the Lord is, is, is that people don't get what they deserve. Because then, if it, people got what they deserve, he could have skipped the whole Son of God coming, becoming man, dying for us. God doesn't want people to get what they deserve. I don't want to get what I deserve. Right. Right. I, I don't want to pay for my own sin. And that's why he came. He said, that's why you got to preach. Preach the gospel so people don't get what they deserve. What? So they're not condemned. He doesn't want them to be condemned. Because he says, if they believe, they'll be saved. If they don't, they'll be condemned. In other words, they will get what they deserve, but I don't want it to happen, so preach to them all. Tell everybody so they don't have to be. Who's the condemner? That's Satan. He's the accuser. He's the one who wants to condemn people to death, condemn people to punishment. While they're living, condemn them to a a horrible life. Condemn them to to a, a dark, depressing, 
or disease-filled life or, or poverty-stricken life, lack of success, nothing they put their hand to works. They're, they're condemned uh, to getting what they deserve. <laughs> Let, let's, be, let's be clear about this. If, if we all get what we deserve, we get diseased and we struggle every day and life is, we can't wait till it's over. Why? That's, that's the, the repercussions, that's the perks of sin, the wages of sin, right? By, by accepting Jesus, that's how we avoid that. Go to Romans, if you would. Just a right turn, Romans chapter 8. I'm saying this so you'll have more fun. <laughs> this should make us happy. Hopefully I say it in a happy way. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore. Now, uh, you understand when something's therefore. That you see the word therefore, you stop and see what it's there for. <laughs> chapter 7, which we won't read, is Paul without Christ. It's, it's, a, it's a spiritually dead person trying to do what's right, trying to follow the law, trying to, be, trying to live a righteous life, not have any sin. And then he meets Jesus, in essence. Then he's all of a sudden in Christ comes in. And he says, now, here we go. This is how, this is how I overcome. This is how you overcome. There is therefore no, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay? Uh, again, now, in the Spirit would be in Christ. Walking in the Spirit would be faith in Jesus. I mean, you could say a lot about what it means to be in the Spirit, but uh, that's, that's some of what that means. He said, when you're in Christ, the condemner, the condemner has nothing against you. When you're in Christ, the guilty verdict is no longer applicable. When you're in Christ, you're a rascal is no longer true. When you're in, uh, when you're in Christ, it's, it's, it's the, it's, the problem is, is, is when so many Christians go from sinner to Jesus to sinner with Jesus. Instead of from sinner to Jesus to to righteous. Amen. And I'm talking about they, they do that in their belief because they're taught, well, they are, we're all sinners. Well, no, all, have, all were sinners until Jesus caused them to become a new creation. Amen. You take on the nature of God, you're no longer a sinner trying to make it through. I mean, talk about the worst recipe for, uh, for success you could have. You're a dirty dog rascal sinner Live right. You know what I'm saying? That's like parents telling their kids, you're a horrible kid. You are just a, you know, what do they say? <laughs> a brat? Yeah, you're a brat. Do right. No, don't tell the kids that. How do brats act? Bratty. <laughs> How do bad kids act? They act like bad kids. I mean, no, 
Wisdom says when the child does wrong, say, that was wrong. You shouldn't do that. That's not who you are. You're, an obe- you're a good boy, good girl. You're an obedient child. You, 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 and you did that. That's wrong, but that's not who you are. Amen. That would be correct for us grown-ups when it comes to living for God. Amen. You are not who you used to be. You're just not an old sinner saved by grace. You're a new creation in Christ. You're, you have the DNA of God. <laughs> you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, for 2 Corinthians 5.17. Right. Uh, This is who you are now. So don't act like the dead guy. The person you used to be, the person that was crucified with Christ. That's not who you are anymore. You're no longer a liar. Well, I told a lie, but that's not who you are. You're no longer sexually immoral. I know, but I I did something. Well, that's not who you are. You're acting contrary to your nature in Christ. So one of the best ways to have victory is to see yourself as who he made you to be rather than who you used to be. Amen. It's not bragging. It's not boasting. It's not self-congratulatory in any way. It's just saying, he really made me new. What salvation in me worked. Now, I'm not guilty. I'm not in the guilty crowd. I used to be in the guilty crowd, the condemned. And now I changed camps. And now I'm in the God crowd. I'm in the righteous crowd. Yeah, sometimes in the God crowd, we, we do some of those other things because it's still our mentality. And we've, you know, we're, we sometimes make mistakes, but we're not changing camps. If you sin, you don't lose your salvation. You're no longer in the, in the sinner camp. You're still in the family of God. It's full of righteousness and life and light. So the accuser comes to try to say, guilty, condemned. You deserve this problem. You deserve this death. You deserve this pain. You deserve this suffering. No wonder you're failing at work. No wonder you ruin your relationships because you're a lousy person. How should we respond to that? We shouldn't entertain it. Yeah, I deserve this. I've done so many stupid things and I had this coming. Quit it! You did have it coming, but Jesus took it. He took all your stupidity on, his, on the cross. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. And he took all of my, my shame and my guilt so I could be in the righteous camp. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Say, I'm free. From sin and death. death. Yeah. Some say, well, I'm struggling with sin. Quit it! Don't put yourself and the word struggle and sin in the same sentence. You're not wrestling with sin. Come on, you're in him. So, So, well, I don't know about that. Listen, just say what the word says and nothing else. Kind of like, uh, you know, like a lawyer might, might say to a, a client, is that what you call them, on the stand? And they say, only say this. And there's a problem if they just keep rambling. Because they're going to say things that are going to put them in jail. <laughs> right? No, just say this. Sometimes we have to do that to ourselves. We want to elaborate and just spill the beans. Don't spill the beans. Just say what the Lord said. Well, I'm struggling. Quit! 
Stop agreeing with the devil and his desire to condemn. And just say, no, I'm in Christ. <laughs> I have the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus in me. And it has made me free from the law of sin and death. Yeah, I'm free from that. And if someone says, well, you just did it like an hour ago and I'm free. It's just like uh, the, the story, uh, Keith Moore tells the story about the person who uh, uh, was smoking cigarettes. And he, I, I probably can't tell it perfectly, but this person wanted to be free from, they were addicted to cigarettes, wanted to be free from cigarettes. So he told them, you know, basically just say regularly, I'm free from this. Is that what he said, Pastor Mickey? I'm, I'm free from cigarettes. And he told them, do it even if you light up. And you're in between puffs, you know. I'm free from cigarettes. Thank God I'm free. In Jesus' name, praise God I'm free from cigarettes. <laughs> Instead of just, you know, sometimes someone might just pray, Lord, take this away from me. Or they might rebuke it and break the power of it. And then they're, and they're wanting it and they're wanting it and they're wanting it. He said, well, you know, that's fine, but if you do, take, don't slip into, con I'm adding to his story now, so I don't want to imply that he said it all the way, I'm saying it. But instead of slipping back over there into condemnation and feeling guilty, feeling like a failure and I didn't get free and I'm still in bondage, just forget about that. Puff your cigarette and say, I'm free. <laughs> and this guy did this for some period of time, matter of days, three weeks, days, 21 of them. <laughs> I haven't heard him tell the story in a long time but I guess the story is three weeks he did that and then all of a sudden he was free lost his desire for him no longer wanted him the, the freedom that he had been declaring was made manifest in him and the condemner had nothing on him how many, how many think the condemner came a few times saying you're not free you're not free. You're just a rascal. You'll never be free from this. You're a permanent addict to, these, to nicotine. And, and, and you're just a loser. And you don't please God. And your faith is weak. And how many lies, I bet, were told and, and, as con condemnation came? Yep. Instead of just saying what he saw, saying what he felt, say the word. Yeah. Amen. 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 Say it out loud. For the law, for the law. of the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son. In the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned, what did he condemn? Sin in the flesh. He didn't condemn you. He didn't condemn me. He condemned the sin. The sin, that's the problem. That's what we condemn. We condemn that sin to death in Jesus. Amen. Praise God. That, verse 4, this is what I wanted to get to, verse 4. That the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I want you to notice that language the righteous requirement of the law. Okay? Now, I understand what, what I'm talking about. I know a good bit of you do. The law specifically refers to what Moses got from God on the mountain. The Ten Commandments 
And then when you, you find out there was a lot more than that. There was moral law and, and, and all kinds of requirements concerning, you know, some have said it's 600 and some different laws. So, so here, here's, here, here's what the law required. And this was all up until Jesus was resurrected. That was the period of the law. Um, well, from Moses on. The period of the law, they were requirements on everything. On, I mean, with severe penalties. For many, many sins had severe penalties. Death for some of them. They do this, string them up. <laughs> you know, kill them. Stone them. Yeah, there's severe penalties. And say, why? The requirement of the law was righteousness. The law contained promises of good if you obeyed. And promises of bad stuff if you disobeyed. The way to get the good stuff was to be righteous or do the right thing all the time. And the, the, the person who tried to live according to that, 100% of them failed. That's, it. That's why, you know, the big picture, the law was given to, to help them despair and say, help. They needed a savior. Jesus was the answer. What the law couldn't do, Jesus did. But still, here's the, here, here's the mentality. Because the law promised, promised an amazing life of health, of success, of blessing, of happiness, if you obeyed it. If you did what, what was required. But no one could do it. And so they were blessed in measure based upon proportion of obedience and disobedience. And then God gave sacrifices to help get them off the hook for some of their stupid, you know, activities, right? But for, in large part, uh, we could just say this, no one could do this. There was a righteous requirement. You are required to do everything right. And if you do, it's going to be awesome for you. Praise God. Let me, let's look over at Deuteronomy real quick. Got a minute? This is just a believer's meeting, so we don't, I don't have a message prepared. We're just, uh, I just want to say what needs to be said by whatever the Lord stirs up in me. And because I'm saying this, I've been able to do the math that, uh, some of you feel un, undeserving of blessings and it's hindering you. Some of you are beating yourself up. The enemy's coming at you. He's condemning, condemning, condemning. Maybe other people in your life are condemning, condemning. You're doing it to yourself. And because of that, you're reaping negative things are coming to you. And, and, and you deserve them in yourself. But in Christ, you don't. He, he fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law in us. You could say on our behalf. In, in Deuteronomy 28, we'll just read a couple of verses. Uh, verse 1, did I tell you that? Deuteronomy 28? No? You were thinking it? Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, Now it shall come to pass... 
if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments. Notice that language. All His commandments. Everybody say all. All. Which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then he goes through and starts talking about how they'll be blessed in everything that they do. But it was a contingent promise on if you do everything I say, this is what you'll get. And then he goes on uh, several verses down and he tells them if you... 15, look at 15, but, if you, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. So they had a, I mean, it sounds like, well, this is, this is pretty straightforward. We do everything right, we get all these blessings. And if we don't do everything right, you can read the curses. It won't be a happy evening for you unless you know the, 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 the outcome. But it's disease after disease, after failure, after marital unfaithfulness, after crop failure and just everything going wrong until other nations come in and take your land. And, and, and it's just negative, negative. It's all these curses. In other words, what? Disobedience or a lack of, of perfect righteousness was being punished. Punished with curses. You don't do everything right, and this is what you get. Think about it now. It's a different covenant, but the principle is the same. Why are people, uh, let me say it this way, poverty is a curse, sickness is a curse, lack of success in life is a curse. That's biblical now. It's not blessing in disguise ever. No one got a disease and it was a blessing in disguise. Come on, that, that, that's, that's religiousizing things based on experience and what religion teaches. That's not Bible. It is clear in Scripture, it's a curse. Say, well, why is it here? It's punishment for wrongdoing. It's the repercussion of not doing things perfect. Say, well, that puts me in a bad place. <laughs> it really puts you in the same place as everyone, as all of us. None of us have done it perfect. But it doesn't matter. Why? Because if we're trusting in ourselves, yes, we got it coming to us. But we come over to, the, to Romans 8, verse 4. Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. The law requires you be Flawless, righteous, perfect in your obedience. And none of us have done it. But he became that for us. He fulfilled it in us. Amen. Therefore, when, a, when poverty or failure or any kind of, any one of those curses, uh, and in spirit, really anything else that's, that's negative, that's demonic, comes against us, what do we do? What is our response? One temptation is to think, yeah, I mean, I guess I have this coming. Or, you know, or there's a million things that you could think of that are wrong. The, the right response is, hold on. The righteous requirement of the law 
is fulfilled in me through Christ. Therefore, I qualify for the first half of that list. The blessing, going in, going out. I qualify, not because I'm better than someone else, not because I've done it all right, because it was, the righteous requirement was satisfied for me in Christ. He fulfilled it perfectly and handed that over to us. So you qualify for healing. You qualify for success in your life, for victory in your life. Amen. For, for, for blessings on, biz, on, your, on your garden. Amy has a garden. There's a lot of it farming because they were so agrarian in their, in their lives. So, so many of them were farmers. You know, and crop failure was a pretty big problem. And he's saying, you'll do this, you'll be, your crops will be blessed. And, and you see all that kind of language in everything we touch, everything we put our hand to. We qualify for God's blessings now. How do we qualify? Because he fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. Therefore, someone could say in the face of attack or failure that comes their way or something going wrong, stop, we shouldn't look in the mirror and say, am I sufficient? Am I good enough? What do I do wrong? We, we should go straight to the word and say, I'm free from this. We go straight to the word and say, no, these diseases are for the guilty. They're for the condemned. These disease, no, they're not for me. Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirement. He's, my, he, he's the Lord who heals me. I get none of, the, none of the diseases that were placed on the Egyptians is the language you'll see in there. I get none of these diseases and there are wicked diseases in there. And so anything less is covered too. A sickness attacks your body. You say, no, no. The righteous requirement of the law was fulfilled in Christ. I qualify for the blessing list. Therefore, therefore it's right, it's biblical, it's not proud for us to say, I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field, I'm blessed going in, I'm blessed going out, I'm blessed in all that I put my hand to, the Lord's blessing is on my family and on my business and on my investments and the blessing of God is on me all of my days. How do you do it? Well, Jesus fulfilled all that was necessary on my behalf. I know that the natural mind thinks, well, what about you saying it doesn't matter if we sin? Well, one, I don't think I said that. Did anybody hear me say that? I'm not, this is not permission to do, to do wrong. It's, it's empowerment. It's God's ability to do right. I mean, if you do wrong, stop. But then... You acknowledge that before the Lord. Anyone who's walking with God. But then we don't go into the Lord and saying, okay, I'm living right again. That's not the basis of our blessing because there'll be flaws in there. Even for the best of us, the pure hearted, we want to serve God. We're doing our best. You're not, gonna, you're not perfect in all your ways. So don't base your prayers and your faith on something that, on you fulfilling the righteous requirement of the law. He fulfilled it. So I want, to, I want to keep myself free from all kinds of stuff that would, that would harm me. I mean, wrong behavior. But when I go to the Lord, I'm not bringing up me. I'm bringing up Jesus. Yeah. I'm praying in Jesus' name, not in the name of Mark. <laughs> right? Yeah. You praying in your own name? <laughs> Better not. But in his name, because he fulfilled it all.
Hallelujah. This is why someone, someone could say, phew, praise God. He fulfilled this for me. I qualify for the blessings. Here we go. I'm going up from here. My finances are going up. My joy level's going up. I'm not going to allow this depression. That's for guilty people. This failed, failed relationships that I keep doing, that's for condemned people. I'm not in that group anymore. That's that other group, remember? I've changed families. I've changed sides. Over here, the condemning voice of the accuser, it, it, it's, it's, it doesn't qualify to, 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 to speak against me. You're condemned. You're guilty. Don't agree. When the prosecutor comes out, guilty, they did it. Just... <laughs> I want the truth. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. <laughs> Don't break. Don't break. Say, nope, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus satisfied all the righteous requirements of the law in me. So we are as if Deuteronomy 28 verse 1 and 2 was fulfilled perfectly. You can read this. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, which I did in Christ, to observe carefully all his commandments, which of course I did in Christ, which he commanded you that the Lord your God will set you above all the nations of the earth. The Lord has set me above all nations of the earth. And then you go and read the unblessed in the city, blessed the fruit of my body, blessed will be my basket and my kneading bowl, blessed will be when I come in, blessed when I go out. He'll cause my enemies to rise up against me to be defeated before my face. He'll command the blessing on my storehouses and all I put my hand to, to which I put my hand. And amen. amen. That's how we qualify for all that. Praise God. Praise amen. amen.